And welcome back into the Bama Beat Podcast, brought to you by Wickles Pickles. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Brett Hudson. Brett, it's Tuesday. How are you doing this morning, brother? Oh, man, I'm one day closer to game day, I guess. But also one day further away. Time is funny. <laughs> are, are you about to get philosophical on us here? Yes, yes. I am, I am definitely of the intelligence to get deeply philosophical with, with other people. That is definitely a quality that I possess. You know who else I feel like could get philosophical? Lane Kiffin. I feel like he could give you some great <laughs> some great sound bites, some great information. But it is old miss week. You know, we, we did the, the Texas AM game recap yesterday. Now we're we're moving ahead. We're looking ahead to Ole Miss. Alabama's going on the road to Oxford this Saturday at five PM Central Time. If you're looking for the channel, it's gonna be on ESPN. Should be a fun matchup. Uh, so I guess let's just go ahead and, and dive into it. You know, there's no point in kind of dipping our toes in. Let's just dive in. So have you noticed the over under for this game? Uh, I think it depends on – I saw that Cecil had tweeted out, and I don't remember the, the account that he used, um, saying that it was reaching the 80 mark. Now, Odd Shark, which is something I typically go to just to get – an idea of, you know, it's got the betting line and things like that. And then it's got it at 69 and a half. So that's nice. a 10 point different, <laughs> uh, 10 point difference. I, I, and I don't know what to make of that. I don't know which one's the correct. Weather. So do you think it dropped that much? Yeah. Cause the, cause of a uh, hurricane Delta, right? Right. And that's one thing that we're definitely going to be talking about. Cause that's going to make a sign or could have a significant impact on this game. I think it's intensified to a category four uh, storm and the sec is monitoring it. Uh, but it, it uh, yeah, I, I just, in one day for it to drop 10 points uh, that, would you know, I understand it dropping a significant amount. I just didn't think that it could drop that much, but it may have, that might be exactly what happened here. Yeah. So I use Vegas insider cause they, they compile a bunch of uh, Las Vegas, based sports books to kind of give you a, a consensus this this game opened Alabama as a 23 point favorite with an over under of 79 and a half and I'm looking at the Vegas insider consensus at 12.04 p.m on Tuesday and Alabama is now favored by 23 and a half with a 69 and a half over under which I just think it it really does change basically everything in in this game for me because if Actually, I went on a radio station in Mobile on Monday morning, and they brought up the over-under, and I was like, oh, over, over all day, because Lane certainly has some tricks up his sleeve for this game, which we'll get to in a second, and they do have some offensive talent over there, but Ole Miss's defensive talent is just not there yet. They've got some guys, but it's not nearly there for for an offense that just put up 50-something points on a pretty solid Texas A&M defense. I think you could see them possibly go higher than that against Ole Miss, and and Ole Miss has both the the coach and the offensive weapons to to go pace for pace with Alabama for at least a little bit offensively. So seventy nine and a half, I'd, I'd have hammered the over on it, and now it's sixty nine and a half with the storm being kind of a a wild card in all of this. If if the remnants of hurricane delta do impact this game i would almost go under because 
Ole Miss with with Lane, like they seem to have found a way to use Matt Corral as a as a passer relatively effectively. And obviously, Mac Jones is is coming off a game where he averaged 16.1 yards per attempt, which, by the way, is something Tua never did. Um, Tua, at his best, he averaged 16 yards per attempt against UL Lafayette one year, whereas Mac Jones just went 16.1 against an SEC team. A good uh, SEC team kinda, with that. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And if they're, if you're kind of neutralizing the the passing attacks in this thing to a certain degree, 69 and a half still feels kind of high. Well, the, you know, what's interesting is that it was Alabama minus 23 with a 79 and a half point line. And if it's dropped to 69 and a half, but Alabama has kept that same spread, I guess that's telling us that that they feel like that those points are coming directly off of of Ole Miss's total, right? I mean, uh, they otherwise that they would you know lower that that spread uh, at least to some degree. I, I mean, am I thinking about that correctly? Well, wouldn't it wouldn't it be half and half? Because if oh yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That's yeah. a good okay. Yeah, so, I was so looking. They're, they're more or less they're taking five points away from each team. They're they're almost taking a touchdown away from. That's from exactly 18 right. due to the weather, and and I really might, I really might make it go higher than that. I, I, I like I said, I, I can't ethically bet on on Alabama games, um, much less legally. But if I could, and I, I really might go under here if the weather does what is certainly possible, which is just pour buckets of rain and and throw a little bit of wind in the in the scenario too, especially because. These are these are a lot like home plate umpires in college baseball when there's a blowout in a February game. Everyone is freezing cold. Everyone wants to go home. So that strike zone just gets huge, right? You, you've got dudes getting rung up on pitches that are on the opposite side batter's box. You, you might have a similar situation in this game where, again, if the weather is, is doing the most and – it's Bama's up by like 24 in the fourth quarter. Both teams kill clock. Both teams run the ball because they're just miserable and they want to go home. It's actually really interesting uh, because you're right. You're talking about and what's unfortunate. It actually might help Alabama. In fact, I almost guarantee you that it will because having to prepare for a typical Lane Kiffin offense that has been as effective as it's been with Matt Corral as the starting quarterback, when you're trying to prepare for Georgia uh, and what they're going to be throwing at you, and I'm not saying they're looking ahead whatsoever, but what I mean is when you're having to put all this time and energy towards you know, a very difficult offense to prepare for, and then you got Georgia looming next week, uh, that can be problematic. And having that offense you know, put up a ton of points and you got guys running around and they're, they're – running a, a ton of plays that can wear you down that can affect next week as well but now you're looking at a situation where if you take away essentially both teams passing games or at least you know probably 70 percent of both teams passing games if the weather is the way that it could end up being that will be interesting uh, because you have to think uh, now granted and, and this is what I've wondered and I want to get your take on it as good as Matt Corral has been, if the weather is terrible, do you think it's possible 
that J.R. Plumley could be a guy that we see a lot more of because of his ability. You know, he rushed for over 1,000 yards last year. He had 12 rushing touchdowns. If you're going to be trying to create a game plan built around the run, which is the exact opposite of what Ole Miss has done up to this point, and Matt Corral's been a good dual-threat quarterback. I mean, he's got over 100 rush yards through two games. Right now, I think he's on pace for something like over 500 over the course of 10 regular season games. Uh, so he's certainly a, a mobile player who will be able to be a factor with his legs, but not nearly to the same degree as J.R. Plumley. And I'm not saying that Matt Corral is just going to be on the bench for this game and they're going to completely change everything up. But if they have to, do you think we see more packages with a guy like maybe J.R. Plumley uh, as the quarterback, or do you think they, you know, do you think they actually turn away from Matt Corral? I, I thought John Rice Plumley was someone we were going to see more of in this game, regardless of. Of weather, I I don't know what Lane has planned for John Rice Plumley, but it's gonna be weird, and I'm gonna love it because he was in that weird jack of all trades role in the season opener against Florida, right? He was going in motion a lot. He was running as a quarterback some. He even caught a pass. Um, and, and Lane said after that game that they would have used John Rice Plumley more had they not been down by a lot, and needed to throw to try to get back into it where where Matt Corral is more developed in that regard well against Kentucky they were down by 14 for about a minute and 30 seconds in that game otherwise they never trailed by more than seven yet in an overtime game John Rice Plumley had five carries for 16 yards and no receptions so either John Rice Plumley just isn't going to have a huge role in the offense this year or Lane is saving up some weird stuff and prop for Alabama and probably some even weirder stuff for Mississippi State down the road. And since we're talking about Lane Kiffin here, I know which one of those I'd bet on. Yeah, that's actually a good point. And here's the thing. Lane is definitely known for being one of those people who will put something on tape to make you prepare for it and you think you're prepared for it, but he's been setting you up. He's been playing the long game where he's going to throw some wrinkles into that mix that you haven't seen yet based off of that. And then granted, that's something that every offensive coordinator is trying to do, but Lane Kiffin's just a lot better at it than a lot of other coaches. And so I will be curious to see how he ends up using J.R. Plumley. And like I said, with his ability as a runner, if you kind of take the arms out of the equation there's, uh, you know, outside of just, you know, sticking with the guy who's been extremely effective for you, there's no reason for Matt Corral to take 95% of the snaps at quarterback, uh, especially when, you know, uh, and granted, and we'll get more, we'll talk more about this here in just a second because Ole Miss's run game is fairly effective, it, it, but it's complimentary. You know, it's, it's not the focal point or even close to it. Jerion Ely, former five-star guy, he leads the group. He rushed for over 700 yards last year. He's only had 27 touches through two games, which isn't terrible. I mean, he's getting touches, but it's not like he's been a workhorse. And you've seen some Snoop Connor as well. It's kind of a number three rushing option behind Ely and Corral. Uh, you know, that's a kid that can be used on the goal line. He had an 88-yard rush against Vanderbilt as a true freshman last season. Uh, so definitely a guy that will also be in the mix. But, you know, you're going to see probably a lot of zone reads, but the ARP, and, and you will. All right, so we had a little bit of a hiccup with the audio. Uh, somehow it cut off love internet challenges, but we're just going to jump right back in. Not a big deal. Uh, I was talking about the RPO offense and, and kind of what has been Lane Kiffin's bread and butter. You're probably going to see a lot more zone reads where it's, you know, on carries, you can still run RPO type of things because it's quick, short 
uh, passes, you know, with the quick slants and things like that, you're probably going to continue to see some speed option stuff, which we've seen from Ole Miss. They're, they're going to still be able to throw a lot at Alabama, but I think where this is coming down to, and, and I wanted to get your thought, that the entire Ole Miss offense is is more so built around that passing game. You've got Elijah Moore, who's obviously the number one option in the offense. He's the, you know, your prototypical slot guy, 5'9", 185 pounds. He's the crafty runner. You know, most people, of course, know him from that celebration uh, against Mississippi State that actually ended up losing Ole Miss the Egg Bowl, but he's a really good receiver. But it's not just him. Dontario Drummond had two touchdowns in week one versus Florida. Plus, they had, you know, he had the, uh, the, the 45 yard pass play on a trick play. So that's something to keep an eye out on. I don't know if they'll try to do anything like that with, uh, with the weather being the way that it is. Jonathan Mingo last week had a huge week, too eight catches for 128 yards and a couple touchdowns. The tight end, Kenny Yaboa, you know, that's a guy who I think was a uh, temple transfer, if I'm not mistaken, but being a tight end, he has 174 yards receiving and two touchdowns on the year, actually either second or tied for second and catches yards and receiving touchdowns. And he's averaging 21.8 yards per catch as a tight end, which is huge. So their, their passing game is really where the offense is built. But if you take that out of the equation, you've got to start thinking that maybe it plays a lot more in Alabama's favor because Alabama, you know, something I pointed out on Twitter, the difference in the offensive line and defensive line as far as their size, Ole Miss defensive line averages 283.8 pounds while Alabama's offensive line averages 334.2 pounds. That's a 50-pound difference. Uh, and you've got a stable of running backs with Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Trey Sanders looked a little bit better in week two, despite, you know, he really didn't get a whole lot of opportunities, only two carries, I think, but he turned those into 14 yards. So looked a little bit better. You got to think that Alabama would have a significant advantage of being able to control the clock and put points in the board consistently compared to Ole Miss. If it comes down to a very sloppy weather related game, right? That has to be why the the line didn't change when the over-under went down, right? Because Alabama has the tools to thrive and survive in a super ugly ground-and-pound type game, right? Like, they, they, have the, they have the tools to still thrive and put up their fair share of points in, in that environment. Um, under normal circumstances, when – when environmental issues put uh, scoring environments down, then you would think the game's going to be closer, right? Because it's it's hard to to blow somebody out if you don't score a bunch of points in the first place. Um, right. Yeah. But in, in this scenario, the line did not move while the over under did to compensate for for weather. So I can I can only assume that that was because they saw a a strength and those aspects of Alabama's team that that should allow it to dominate the game that is that is played that way especially given the the offensive line that that Alabama has the, well the, that's the, actually uh, speaking to that I mean I think one thing that Vegas is probably looking at is the fact that Ole Miss gave up 408 yards in the ground against Kentucky and they had three different players rush for over 100 yards plus uh, six rushing touchdowns combined between Christopher Rodriguez, uh, AJ Rose, and and Terry Wilson, the quarterback. So you know, it, right now, what's crazy, and maybe it shouldn't be crazy, it was something that stood out in my mind. But Ole Miss's defense is giving up 302 yards per game, which is ranked you know 73rd out of 74 teams. 
they're they're giving up 298.5 yards passing per game, so they're actually giving up a couple of more yards rushing than they are passing. So that plays right into this type of game that you know. I mean, Ole Miss hadn't been really good against either, but they've been worse stopping the run. They're ranked dead last uh, in the country right now. Out of 74 teams that get ranked, they're ranked 74th in, in total defense as far as total yards given up per game, over 600 per game, and their scoring defense is down there as well. So that plays right into Alabama and what they're going to probably have to do given the the weather and the circumstances if it plays out that way. Right. Um, also, to your point about um, wide receivers, uh, and specifically Ole Miss's wide receivers, that's that's an interesting matchup with Alabama based on the secondary and the – communication breakdowns and mental lapses that come with breaking in three new starters, one of them a freshman, especially at the safety position, which is more often than not a a communication hub for um, secondaries. And we mentioned that on the previous podcast, talking about some of the things in the defense that have been exposed over the first two games and and things that need to correct if they're going to make the improvement that we all anticipated they would. Um, this would be a, a pretty challenging matchup for for that position because I mean A and M is a talented football team, but they they don't have it at wide receiver like Ole Miss does right now. I don't. Oh, I don't absolutely. Um, yeah, they don't have the, they don't have the passing game in general. Right. So Ole Miss is a team that would be particularly deadly with busts and coverage, um, more so than Texas A and M was, which says something considering the Aggies put up 450 yards of offense. Right. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of that was passing. Uh, they didn't have just a ton of success on the ground with Kellen Bond, Anaya Smith, and, and Isaiah Spiller. It was, you know, granted the way that, that Texas A&M had their, uh, their game plan kind of scripted, it worked to perfection. You know, like I said yesterday, you know, using a lot of motion stuff, a lot of pre-snap, uh, Alabama trying to make sure that they're clogging uh, rushing lanes for – for uh, Kellen Mond to make sure that he didn't take off. It just was a recipe to get the ball out quickly for Mond. You know, nickel and dime Alabama, they hit a couple of big plays with some of those breakdowns, but mostly it was just, uh, and there was a couple of really good throws from Kellen Mond in there. I thought, you know, going back and and watching, he didn't play a bad game at all. And In fact, I don't think he's really ever played a bad game against Alabama in all the years that I've watched. He's at least been pretty solid uh, relative to, you know, playing against some of the the better defenses earlier in his career and then last year what we saw as far as his rushing ability um yeah it's it's very interesting because whether and i would have been kind of excited to see how this game would have played out had weather not been a factor and it still might not be you know we don't know for sure that it's but it's it's just looking like it i mean i don't see (laughs) too many scenarios where Weather doesn't play at least some sort of role, if not a huge role. You know, if you've got a Category 4 hurricane going on and it's, you know, windy, carrying some storms in there, it's wet, it's sloppy, there's only so many things that you can do. And, and for anybody expecting, uh, you know, John Mechie or, or Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith to put up, you know, 150 yards receiving and, and uh, Mac Jones to throw for, you know, three like that i just don't really see that happening but i also don't think that that necessarily hurts alabama i think if anything it it might actually help even though i think that that would have been a fine uh, that's something that alabama could have done because they have a much better defense and you think that kind of like with florida they would have given up plenty of yards or they they might give up you know i keep assuming that the weather's going to be a problem 
But if it's not, they'll probably give up quite a bit of yards to a very difficult to defend Ole Miss passing game and offense in general. But they'll create those one or two key stops that they need to, like Florida did, to create some sort of gap. And it could be a big enough gap to where they could cover that 23 and a half. I'm a lot more confident, though, in Alabama's ability to cover that spread uh, right now than I was, you know, with, with the weather being fine, just because, you know, it, it's just it's very difficult to stop that Ole Miss offense consistently. I, I agree. Um, I, <laughs> it's it's just unfortunate that uh, we're kind of having a um, not a reckoning, but a evaluation of Alabama's defense two games in going into a matchup like this one. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a really good point. Um, and you know, Lane Kiffin moving on to, you know, he's made, you know, he made some comments and I wanted to get your thoughts on them. Uh, you know, first of all, he made the, the, the comment about, you know, Noah Clemson, those are the two premier programs that are operating on the highest level over the last 10 years. And Alabama is doing it in the SEC, which is a bit harder. So what did you think about that comment from Lane Kiffin? I thought he was right. And do you think that anybody would have a problem with those comments? Even somebody, you know, that maybe might be a Clemson fan. I don't think anybody can deny that the SEC is more difficult. I'm assuming Dabo does because Dabo seems to have a problem with all comments these days. That's true. Uh, Uh, Poor old Clemson. Yeah, poor little old Clemson. Just kicking the crap out of everybody they face. Poor little old Clemson. Um, God, God forbid we, we root things in fact anymore. Um, no, I, I thought he was right. Like, I, I'm, I think people who've listened to the podcast for, for a while know I'm, I'm not the person who's beaten the chest and all SEC rabble, rabble, rabble. I, I think the, the public perception of the SEC uh, relative to the other conferences is a little inflated at times, but it's, it's certainly undeniable that that going eleven and one in against an SEC schedule or, or against Alabama's schedule every year is noticeably more difficult than going twelve and zero against Clemson's schedule every year. That that doesn't mean that one football team is better than the other, as have as has been proven over playoff games in recent years. You can still have an A plus football team and go twelve and zero against. Uh, Clemson schedule and be better than an A minus team that goes 11 and one against Alabama schedule. That can certainly happen. Playing Clemson schedule doesn't preclude you from having the best team in, in the country, but uh, I think it's undeniable that, that going 11 and one against Alabama is typical than going 12 and zero against Clemson's typical schedule. Yeah. And then of course the other thing too, because the thing that everybody's, you know, not only been talking about starting last week, but they'll continue to be talking about it because you got, um, you know, of course, uh, Jimbo Fisher last week. You got Lane Kiffin this week. You got Kirby Smart. And then you got, uh, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the fourth team. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt? Yeah, Jeremy Pruitt. God, I don't know why that was so difficult. Uh, I was kept, I don't know why I kept thinking about Mike Leach and Mississippi State. I couldn't get my mind off of that. But uh, if Mike Leach and Nick Saban work together, there's just there's no way Um, (laughs) it it wouldn't be tenable. It would one of the two would leave after probably three or four days. And and it might be leave this earth. You know, one of them might kill the other one. Um, I just don't I don't think those personalities would mix whatsoever. But, you know, 
as of right now, Nick Saban is now 20 and 0 against former assistant coaches. And something that Lane Kiffin also pointed out, and, and I'll go ahead and read the direct qu- quote. He said, "If you're working for him, it, or excuse me, if working for him gives you an advantage, you're not a very good gambler because 20 and 0 is a pretty strong record." So he's essentially saying a lot of people go in saying. Well, this, you know, uh, ex coach knows Nick Saban like the back of his hand. Kirby Smart knows Nick Saban like the back of his hand. That should give him an advantage. Really, it just works the opposite direction because Nick Saban knows that coach like the back of his hand, too. And he knows how to exploit them a, a lot, you know, a lot better. And, you know, for granted, Lane Kiffin is extremely familiar with Alabama. He was the head coach at Tennessee back in 2009 when you had the Terrence Cody. A field goal block during Alabama's first national championship uh, season under Nick Saban. He was, of course, the offensive coordinator under Nick Saban for for three years, and he did point out that Alabama was 25 and two against SEC opponents during his three years ten as offensive coordinator. And ironically enough, both those losses came to uh, Ole Miss. So that's something that he's definitely wanted to, to give his own program a shout out for because that that is you know pretty special. Uh, that was a, a solid run. For Alabama and Lane Kiffin, and Ole Miss was the only team that could seem to uh, to really, at least in the SEC, give Alabama trouble during that period. But do you think that there is any way, outside of just something completely fluky, where Lane Kiffin this week hands Nick Saban his first loss against a former assistant coach? No, but I do think Lane is going to be the first assistant coach to beat Nick Saban. Okay. Okay. So I, I think uh, now that could change if some like I'm trying to think that that could change if someone went outside the conference. Um, like uh, like maybe if if Charles Huff got the head coaching job at like I don't know if he got the head coaching job at like Virginia Tech or something. If if the Fuente experience goes wrong and. Maybe a few years down the road, they have a dream season. Maybe maybe it happens then. But uh, under the current format and, and set of assumptions, I, I think Lane Kiffin's going to be the first one to beat him because I, I think the the and it's not necessarily an error in in way of life, but it is an error in terms of trying to uh, beat Alabama. Is these assistants try to replicate? the Saban system and the Saban way of thinking in their own programs. Like uh, I think Bama fans have had plenty of uh, fun joking about Kirby smart, trying to turn Georgia into Alabama East and basically everything they do. Um, And Jeremy Pruitt is doing something pretty similar at at Tennessee. And while Jimbo is not a carbon copy of, of Nick, they, they definitely think about the sport and about program building in very similar ways. And even Mario Cristobal out at Oregon has done some things that were clearly influenced by his time here in in Alabama. So a a lot of these guys get the Bama in them and then go elsewhere and try to create Bama where they are. And they can't do it the way Saban does it because they aren't Nick Saban. They aren't engineered the way he is they aren't they aren't their mental makeup is not the same as Nick Saban's and that's not an insult or anything like it there's there's a reason that that Nick Saban is the one percent of the one percent of the one percent like their their personality traits and mental 
aspects the, of Nick Saban that make him uniquely capable of building what he's built. And Jeremy Pruitt can't replicate those things. Kirby Smart can't replicate those things. Um, so, But Lane Kiffin isn't going to try that. Lane Kiffin isn't going to do those kinds of things to be like Nick Saban. He's, he's going to do things his own way because he's good at doing things his own way. And he clearly has a lot of fun doing things his own way. Um, that's why I think he is more likely than the others to finally topple Nick Saban in Alabama because he's not trying to do it the Alabama way. Now, the one caveat to that would be Mario Cristobal. Maybe, maybe obviously not this year because the Pac-12 probably isn't going to get in the playoff this year. But may, maybe eventually with the way Oregon is recruiting, they can meet up in a playoff game and it's a one-off, who knows. But I, I really do think Lane Kiffin's going to be the first one to do it. And, and y'all can old takes expose me on that one if you want to. I actually think that if uh, this run, the next four weeks uh, with, with Jimbo, uh, Lane, uh, Kirby Smart, and then Jeremy Pruitt, I, I think that's going to be tough to get through completely unscathed. Now, really? I, I really do, yeah. I, I just think that when you're constantly week after week having to prepare, and, and here's what this is one of the reasons why I say it could help Alabama with the way this game goes down this weekend. I think it just puts Alabama in a much more favorable position to not be wore down uh, following this game, trying to run around, trying to catch some of these guys, you know, all this passing and, and, and her offense and things like that, that they would typically be going against against Ole Miss. Having that following the game against Texas A&M, then you go against Georgia, who is going to, you know, they're going to beat you up. Alabama's going to have to go, you know, it's going to be a boxing match for four quarters. It's going to be very physical. And then you got a pretty good Tennessee uh, game in uh, Neyland Stadium up there in Knoxville the very following week. Going on that kind of stretch, every SEC team's got at least one stretch. Uh, it's just you know, a lot of people going in kind of pointed to this stretch and said, well, you got you got all Miss in there to kind of give you a week off. There's no such thing. Uh, th- maybe a little bit more so because of the weather, like I said, but it's still going to be a, a, a relatively tough game. And there's no such thing as, you know, you playing Southern Miss and you got a couple of coaches already looking ahead and starting a game plan against, you know, Georgia coming the next week or something like that. It's you got to focus on your opponent right now. And that's it. And that can can be problematic. I'm not saying that I, that Alabama's gonna lose one of these four games. I'm just saying that Alabama I think that's why Alabama has Charlie Strong and Mike Stoops. Say what? That's why Alabama has Charlie Strong and Mike Stoops and Major Applewhite and Butch Jones and Javier Arenas, right, and the other army of analysts to do yes. that. Correct. Yes, and that certainly helps. Don't get me wrong. They're certainly gonna be, you know, trying to. But there's. There's certain aspects of all these teams that you need to be keeping up with. And, and it's like I said, I just don't think that you can look ahead. There's no kind of uh, – even playing against Missouri, you know, I'm sure that they were looking ahead to some stuff Texas A&M did a little bit. I just don't think they were able to do it to the same degree as they would if they were playing a much – you know, a group of five or, or an F – uh, you know, a lower tiered FBS team or FCS team, then, you know, that you might could be able to spend more time. You would be able to spend a lot more time, but with the way that Nick Saban likes to approach these games in, in a week by week basis, you're certainly going to be taking that approach uh, against nothing but SEC opponents. And the, I just think that for this kind of stretch, the different things that they're going to be throwing at you um, week over week, 
it's going to be difficult to make it through it completely unscathed. Now, like I said, I would probably put it a 60% chance, in my opinion, that Alabama does go 4-0 during this stretch against former assistants. Uh, but I guess I would say it's and a lot of people probably won't agree with that. They'll say, no, nah, there's way higher than, than, uh, uh, 60% that they'll, you know, make it through it for no, I just think that it's not as easy as people think. And if that ends up happening, you could see the first one. If they make it through this stretch, there's not going to be any more on the schedule, uh, at least not as of right now. And then you start getting into next season and it's very possible that Lane Kiffin could be that guy. I do think you're onto something and Lane Kiffin will have as, as good of a shot as anybody to get that job done and, and to eventually hand Alabama a loss because one thing that I'll give Lane Kiffin credit for, and it's something that I don't feel like, you know, even, even the Mike Leaches of the world coming to Mississippi state and the way that he's operated programs in the past, it seems like Lane Kiffin's kind of all in on their identity of we're not really going to be able to stop anybody. We don't have that ability yet. Um, we're going to approach every possession of, you know, we're expecting the other team to pretty much score at will, we got to figure out a way. We uh, every time we take the field, we plan to to put touchdowns on the board, and we're going to design our plays and and the way that we attack opposing defenses in that manner. And I know that might seem like kind of an obvious statement, but it's not. You know, so there are plenty of times where teams are playing uh, for for things other than just you know the goal is to obviously score a touchdown if you possibly can. But there are certain situations where you're like, well, right now. We're looking at grinding this, you know, uh, the, the clock for seven or eight minutes, and if we can put a, a field goal on the board in that process, or at least a field goal, that's, you know, not a problem. You know, we're I, we're gonna. So I just think that it's it's, it's uh, it'll be interesting. I'm gonna be watching it closely, but like I said, I do think it really helps Alabama as far as the game planning process to have a, a very limited Ole Miss offense due to the weather. So I want to. Your your 60% that they get through this four-game stretch, now three-game stretch, undefeated, is mostly based on cumulative effect, right? Yes. What if if we expand that one further game? Because what do they have after Tennessee? Uh, I'd have to pull up the schedule. The curveball, Mississippi State. Yeah. What if if the cumulative effect wears on them through that four-game stretch? They get through it. And then they had to deal with Mike freaking Leach. Which, and by that point, you're expecting the weather to not be as big of an issue. And that's kind of, I was just saying from, uh, is Lane Kiffin the first assistant coach to beat Alabama? If they make it through that stretch unscathed, then, then he's not going to be playing any more former assistants. So you can say, okay, uh, the next opportunity will be some of these coaches in 2021, unless they end up playing someone like, you know, Mario Cristobal at, at Oregon or something like that at a conference in the playoff or something. Uh, but yeah, I completely agree. It's not like that they're going to make it through this stretch and then it, it's smooth sailing from there. It's going to continue to be this way every week. And I think that that's why this undefeated this year in the regular season I just, you know, I I think they're certainly capable. I think they're by far the the most complete and talented team across the board in the SEC. I just don't know if any SEC team is going to get through completely unscathed when week after week, you know, you're down weeks or, you know, you're getting Arkansas who is giving teams trouble and you're like, man, thank goodness we got Arkansas this week because, you know, we were, they give us the best shot of having some sort of, you know, because one thing that has helped Alabama and Nick Saban in particular 
you know, we saw it with Tua Tungvaloa. Tua Tungvaloa was, was ready against Georgia in the second half of that national championship game because he had come in for the second half of a ton of other games that season and gotten plenty of game action. The coaching staff in live situations, he was able to sling the ball around a little bit. They found out what his strengths were, what his weaknesses were. You know, they found out that he was a gamer, and, and when the lights come on, he just he makes some magical things happen. They tinker with the offensive line during games. Uh, where, where they know when things get out of hand relatively quickly, they can go ahead and plan for the playoff in the future because they have the time to do that, and they're getting guys valuable game reps and things like that. You just are probably not going to get that to the same degree this year, and how much of a difference will that make? Um, I don't know, but I know that Alabama and their ability to blow every opponent they play out, or at least to start the season a lot of times, that has given Alabama the ability to get a lot more valuable game reps to its depth more in comparison to other teams. So maybe that just slightly, you know, uh, mitigates an advantage that Alabama would typically have. Now I might be reading too much into that. I don't know how much of an impact it will have. I'm not saying that it's going to, it's just something that I, I'm thinking about as, you know, a bunch of fans are like, Oh, I guarantee you we're going four and during this stretch of against former assistants. I guarantee they're going undefeated this year. They're by far the best sec team. Well, we we've already seen teams get beat by teams. They shouldn't. And so, you know, we'll just kind of have to see how it plays itself out. I would not be shocked if Alabama had a loss on its schedule in the regular season, but that does not mean that I don't think they're not going to win the SEC or go to the college football playoff or even win a national championship. I still think Alabama's one of the best teams in the country. I just think that, uh, you know, this idea that they're going to be able to run through this smoothly is kind of, especially since they haven't had an undefeated season uh, since 2009. And now you're expecting them to run through an all SEC 10 game schedule with relative ease and then go to the SEC championship and then go to the the playoff or whatever, you know, I just, it's, it's going to be a lot more difficult than some people out there are giving it credit for. See, it's, it's the precedent of it more than anything else for, for me. Cause I, I wanted to, and I, I forget if I actually did or not, but I wanted to pick Bama 10 and O undefeated. What would be 13 and O at that point, national champs. I wanted to, because there was, there wasn't a matchup on the schedule that really, scared me in, in terms of being Alabama vulnerable or more vulnerable than anything else within, within reason. Um, the, the national picture is pretty much what it always has been. It's Bama Clemson, Ohio state, and someone uh, probably won't be Oklahoma this year. Uh, probably be somebody else, but <laughs> the, <laughs> man that's a disaster isn't it the oh my goodness yes the other everything else is, is pretty much the same so i i wanted to but i i had some trepidation with it because it they just haven't done it they they haven't been able to piece it together all the way through for for a bunch of reasons but it it's hard to it's hard to go out on the limb and say it when it just hasn't been done all all that often or, or at all in the last decade so uh, while i understand the line i understand the line of thinking on both lines on both sides is what i'm trying yeah. to say like i i wasn't the person who was just banging the table saying how could you possibly predict a loss for this team because they're clearly better than the rest of their schedule but that is often the case and they find a way to take a loss somehow some way but they are clearly better than everyone else 
on their schedule. So. And that's ex- that's actually exactly you know I did the kind of the same thing where I did a game by game prediction right. uh, for for Roll Toddwire, and I had the same thought you know going into it. I was thinking I highly doubt Alabama goes undefeated this year in the regular season. I just I think that somewhere along the way they probably like every other team is going to drop at least one game. Uh, but as you're going through it and you're taking each game individually, you're saying, man, well they're they're a lot better than this team. Okay, well they're a lot better than this team. You know, I thought LSU was going to be down. I thought Auburn had a bunch of question marks that they needed to get fixed. Uh, you know, Georgia with the the unknown is far as their offense and were they really going to take that next step i thought that was going to be a good game but i thought alabama being at home could win it well at the end of it i figure out okay unless i just randomly pick a game and, and kind of guess okay this is the one that they get upset in which you know would be purely a guessing game because it could come against anybody it could come against mississippi state it could come against tennessee georgia it could come this weekend against old miss you know you, there was just no way for, for it would be purely a guessing game so in that article uh, I had them going undefeated because I took them each individually. I acknowledged uh, a couple of games where it was following a stretch and, and then, you know, it kind of was sandwiched into a tough physical game. And then you're maybe looking ahead a little bit to the other game and that could cause some issues. I acknowledged that in a couple, but I still didn't have them necessarily losing any of them. But then I get done with it and I'm like, I just don't feel good about this. And that's where we're at. Um, so I completely agree with you. It's, that, it's one of those things where, in the beginning of the season, you say they're going to go nine and one, but as every game comes along, you pick them to the yes. point that your your game by game predictions are ten and zero, but you said in the preseason they're going nine and one. Yes, that's exactly right. That's a that's a great way to summarize that. So if if you had to pick one right now, who's who's the one that creates the fly in the ointment? Who's who's going to mess this up? Oh man. Um, let me go ahead and pull up the schedule uh, just so I can – because, like I said, I think this stretch they're in right now. Uh, with, well, well with first of all, it's obviously Arkansas. Obviously. <laughs> you, the last week of the season they're looking at – they get they had – now, granted, you know what? You say that, but – Oh, no. Don't justify this. No. 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 Oh, when, when I'm sitting here talking about, uh, you know, the games that follow a very physical game, and then, you know, uh, maybe the, the following week after that game would be a tough opponent. Well, I understand that the, the SEC championship, uh, you know, when it's supposed to be played, I think, is is uh, December 19th. So you'd have a two-week stretch following the Arkansas game. But if you got, you know, Georgia or Florida coming up in the SEC championship, you just finish up a game on, on November 28th against Auburn. You know, lucky for Alabama, they would have a couple of weeks stretch where they could say we need to put all of our focus on Arkansas because we'll have plenty of time following that game to worry about Florida or Georgia. But if the game was the very next week, you know, Arkansas could be one because we've already seen them, you know, give teams a hard time. They beat Mississippi State. Don't do they, this. Don't do they, this. I, I'm, they, they held, you know, things tight with Georgia. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but, you know, you, you say that as a joke. But as far as the, the recipe, had there not been a two-week stretch uh, following the regular season before the SEC championship, I would have said, you know, that's one that they would need to make sure they don't allow to be a trap game. I just don't think that's going to happen. How many the, points would you give me on that game right now? Oh, no. Uh, yeah. You're talking – it would it would be an odds thing. It would be, uh, you know – now, granted, I don't bet money, but it would be like – Oh, if I lose this game, I send you ten bucks. But if Arkansas ends up beating Alabama, you send me two hundred. You know, twenty no, no, to one no, odds. I'm saying point spread. 
No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not picking the point spread because I think Alabama would cover anything. I would just be saying that as far as the odds, odds of that being a more difficult game, uh, yeah, because like I said, you go through any of these, and and granted, one that might be difficult, and you're looking at Mississippi State's offense being extremely difficult, uh, that Tennessee game, and they've been very. They've actually looked pretty good. They're they're two and zero in the SEC. They got a big win against Missouri. Uh, Jarrett Garantano is not turning the football over. They've got a really good run game. The offensive line, the defensive line, both have looked uh, physical. And the offensive line, this is exactly what we expected from them coming into the season. And with Tennessee falling on October 24th, it's going to be a week after the Georgia game, which should be a hard fought game. And if now, granted, Alabama is not going to be looking ahead to Mississippi State, but there are certain aspects of that offense that you probably do want to have a couple of your analysts going ahead and getting on and trying to prepare, for, uh, depending on how Mississippi State looks over the next few weeks. Um, you know, if they bounce back from that Arkansas game, if they continue to just get rail, railroaded by you know Kentucky and Texas A&M, and you know they, they, that offense was a splash in the uh, the pan against LSU, then you know maybe not. But that Tennessee game is one that I've circled. It's it's on the road. Granted, they're not going to have the same kind of home field advantage they would have had in a regular, uh, you know, fan field uh, stadium in any sort of regular season. But uh, it's still, I think that they'll they'll have a, a somewhat of a home field advantage, and that's one to circle. I, it's like I said though, it's all guessing uh, because individually, you know, it, I, I just I don't see it. Um, I would do it. Look, answer you your own question. I, do you have one you know in mind? I think. I think you knew you were going to get caught on that Oregon North Dakota state bet we made forever ago. And you're scared to death to make another point spread bet with me. Cause you know, I had you cornered, you know, I did look, now, did you see North Dakota state against central Arkansas? That defense couldn't stop nobody. Okay. Trailing. I don't need him to stop Oregon. I need him to keep it within 21. Okay, that's fair. Um, you're right. It wasn't a straight up. I don't know why there for a second I thought it was straight up. You had 21 points. That's a good point. Uh, that, I don't feel it. And I can fully admit that even with the game not happening, I, I could have stuck to my guns and it could have said, there's no way. There's no way that I believe. And we'll never know. But I can sit here and acknowledge it was – I don't remember when we had this talk. It was back in like December or January or something. Yeah. Uh, and – I had not, you know, I'd heard about Trey Lance, but I hadn't really went and done some film study, went and did some of that. And it's like, they, they have a receiver. I forget his name, but he was really, really good too. And I was thinking, you you might have messed up here. Um, now, granted, that Oregon defense is really, it's expected to be really, really good at all three levels. They got linebackers who can run, defensive linemen, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau. Their secondary is absolutely loaded, kind of like uh, Washington a few years ago when they had four or five guys who were around one, two, or three picks. Uh, but still, man, we've we've really gone off the rails here. This is your fault. We'll, we'll end the podcast on this. Uh, possibly an ugly game in, in Oxford Saturday due to weather, but the, the biggest takeaway is that Clint's scared. He's, he is scared to death to make a one-on-one point spread bet with me. That is the takeaway from this I'm, podcast. I'm not taking Arkansas is the scared problem. To scared to death, guys. I, look, what you're what you would have me doing is sitting there in that game saying, I really hope Alabama plays terrible so I can I can talk trash on a podcast. And when it when it actually happens, I'm going to be like, heck, yeah, I get to talk trash to Brett. 
But wait a minute. Look, Alabama looked terrible, and I got to go look, talk about think, that too. That's a lose-lose for me. I think people who are gamblers have definitely done the thing where they bet against their team on a 100%. point spread. Well, they're, they're, yeah. still, they're still rooting for their team to win, but they want them to win by fewer than 24 points or whatever. Yeah, you, you give me 60 points. Please. See, he's scared, y'all. He's scared. Hey, go the opposite way. You take Arkansas. Um. Wait, you're telling me? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Neither one no, of us no, want to no, take Arkansas. It's Arkansas, okay? You're the one that's trying to make a case for Arkansas. I'm saying it's a possibility. That's all I'm saying. Uh, well, I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a possibility because I live on planet. So you're saying it's it's a zero out of one million instead of a one out of a million. That's exactly what I'm saying. Did Appalachian State beat Michigan? Yeah, that was a one out of one million. Yeah, exactly. So that's all I'm saying. It's a this one out of a, a million. This is a zero. Okay. All right. Well, I can't – you know what? I, what I'm not going to do is be like, I'm so confident in my one in a million that I'm going to make this bet with you. Uh, and no, I'm not doing You know that. What, what Alabama had that that Michigan team didn't? A good football team. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But still, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to guilt me or, or – you know, put me in a position where I'm going to take Arkansas. It's not happening. You can call me scared. I said that it was a possibility. It is a possibility. And Nick Saban would be furious with you if he heard you say that there was it was a zero out of a million that Arkansas would beat Alabama or even come close to beating Alabama. And so I'm not going to get in trouble by the old ball coach. I know he probably listens to our podcast each and every week. Uh, yeah. with, with full attention. I'm sure he takes an hour out of his week just for, for Brett Hudson and Clint Lamb talking on a podcast. And when he does that this week, I want him to know, you know what? Clint gave Arkansas a chance. He's not rat poison. Brett Hudson, big rat poison guy. Well, uh, Nick is mad at me anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he's just mad at the media. Um, yeah. is there, yeah. is there, is there something we need to know or are you kidding? No, no. No, he's just mad at me in general because I exist. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> can relate. All right, that's gonna do it. Getting back, we got off the rails there because Brett, you know, he has to, you know, take his jabs because he got one semi-correct that I can at least acknowledge was looking like it was gonna play in his favor. And now he's got to run with it and try to double up on it. But beside the point, getting back to Alabama, Ole Miss going to be extremely difficult for Ole Miss to play into their typical style of offense with the weather. Same thing for Alabama, but Alabama with the offensive line, the run game that they have or should be able to bring to the table, uh, plus having a defense that could should be able to get plenty of stops against an Ole Miss offense that will be limited due to the weather. It just it plays in Alabama's favor pretty heavily. It's just not going to be a fun game to watch for a lot of people. Uh, if you're looking for fireworks or or whatever, it, it won't, be, won't be fun, but Still, beside the point, Brett, always appreciate you hopping on here with me, even if you talk trash completely for <laughs> no reason. <laughs> uh, you'll be getting your picks in for Thursday. I'll be sending those games. Uh, you know, I always say that I'm going to send them. I'll get them to you today, and then it's tomorrow. It'll are, my probably... pick, are my picks still bad, by the way? Did you get the results from last week? Or? Uh, yeah, I was looking through it, and everybody's was bad. Good. Great. Yeah, so, I mean, it's at least – 
in comparison. Um, you know, Hunter did not go seven, two and one. I'll tell you that. So he's coming back down to earth, but I'll have the actual stuff and I'll send it to you in a text and, and make the announcement on, uh, the, the Bama beat podcast, Twitter page. So Aid the Bama beat. Absolutely. All right. Well, this is going to wrap up another episode of the Bama beat brought to you by Wickles pickles. We appreciate you guys tuning in and we will see you on Thursday with the college football picking podcast with Cecil, myself and Hunter Johnson. And of course we'll be getting Brett's picks as well. So once again, this is the Bambi podcast brought to you by Wickles pickles. <laughs>